Hello and welcome to the Lancet Infectious Diseases podcast. I'm Richard Lane on Monday, May the 13th. This month, we're focusing on a fascinating study looking at how we monitor vaccine confidence, a very topical issue worldwide. This intriguing study looks at how we could use existing surveillance systems to better anticipate the way the public react through the media to vaccination programmes. So to find out more, earlier I spoke to one of the authors of the paper, Dr Heidi Larson from the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. Dr. Larson, many thanks indeed for talking to The Lancet Infectious Diseases. You're the author of a paper being published online on Monday, May the 13th. Very interesting looking paper. And this very topical issue, this is to do with concerns surrounding vaccines. We read about vaccine stories in the news media all the time, often quite scary and possibly unfounded stories about vaccines. But before we go into the details, why the study? What was the aim of it? Well, the aim of it was to try to see if we could detect early signals of emerging concerns in populations to try to address and understand them before they become large and start to have impacts on vaccines and immunization programs. The actual research was prompted in my mind by the the big boycott of polio vaccine in northern Nigeria in 2003-2004, where we saw and are still dealing with the repercussions of 11-month boycott of polio vaccine, really strictly due to rumors about vaccines sterilizing the population. It led to outbreaks and, and retransmission of polio in 20 countries, as far as Indonesia, the, the Nigerian strain. So it was a pretty significant impact of a local rumor that was not even an adverse event. It was just strictly a perception. And I think before that, the public health and certainly immunization community had not really taken, quote, rumors and and public perceptions that seriously because they weren't fact. And I think the study was basically to look at and understand what are the emerging concerns, tracking them over time, The paper itself looks at one year of our data, but this has been, we've been collecting data for three years and it's ongoing and we're refining and strengthening the system. So this is an ongoing initiative and we just took one slice of a year for this particular study for the analysis. And the idea is along the lines of systems that exist like HealthMap, ProMed, uh, GFIN in Canada, the Global Public Information Surveillance, Global Public Health public health information surveillance system in Canada. They're all trying to pick up early signals for disease outbreaks. And I thought, well, you know, we should try to apply the same kind of approach to get early signals of public concerns about vaccines. We have pretty rigorous, some in some countries better than others, pretty rigorous systems to monitor and detect adverse events following immunization. But the nature of the concerns are, are much more diverse than strictly adverse events. I've come into this from working on the front lines with this. I was the Global Director of Communications for Immunization for UNICEF for five years and saw an exponential increase around the world of public concerns, not just public concerns, uh, community, public, and some governments questioning certain vaccines. And it made me think that we need a much better systematic approach to understanding it. And this is trying to bring a systematic look at what is being thought about in the world and how we can engage with it early. Indeed. And I should have said, of course, it's particularly important given the way the public find out their news now. We have a very rapid 
24-hour news system, global news system, social media, Facebook, Twitter. Information, digital information, is, is can spread like a virus almost instantaneously. So given modern methods of communication, there's even more incentive, isn't there, to, to, to understand this, this situation better? Absolutely. And even more than when we initially started the project, I think the ubiquitous spread of of, uh, mobile phones across Africa was really unexpected. And when we started this project, we did get a number of people saying, well, you know, how many people in the parts of the world we really need to understand better have any access to some of this online work? And, And that has only increased exponentially along with the public conversations and news spread about vaccines. Tell us a little bit about the study. This is, this is a, a global study involving many countries, but tell us about the way you assessed reports about vaccines as to whether they were positive or negative or neutral. That's an important part of the methodology, isn't it? Well, we first set up to what were the search criteria for our Uh, collecting our online reports. And when we say reports, it's everything from news reports, um, online local newspapers or or other kinds of news sources. It picks up um, press releases from everything from government to NGO. And we have a a blog search that got introduced in the second year of of the project, which was included in the time period we studied here, which picks up some of the public conversations around the news pieces that come up. Our criteria was, in in big terms, news and, and public discussions around human vaccines. Uh, the only major thing we excluded for at the high level was reports on animal vaccines. We wanted to make sure it was everything about vaccines because we didn't want to just pick up things that suggested anything negative because uh, we needed one a denominator. We wanted to understand what was the range of positive to negative um, out there. We collected everything related to vaccines um, or vaccine-preventable diseases because if we see any reports about emerging outbreaks of vaccine-preventable diseases to us, that flags a problem with the vaccine coverage, if a vaccine exists, of course. The first stage was that they were, the criteria, they were automatically coded for date, location, basic, was there a vaccine named, um, what was the relevant disease, and this that first bit had an automatic coding, and then it was handed uh, parsed to our human uh, coders. And we have we worked collaboratively with ProMed in the States and also a team here at the London School. And that was a full human reading of the full report. And we developed an initial set of um, characteristics of the reports, um, what was the nature of the concern? Where was it? Uh, we had a number of criteria uh, and types of, of issues and, and topics, actually. Some of them were not negative concerns. It was just what's the topic and what's the content. I see. So you were almost effectively able to create your own tool, were you, by looking at some of the looking at some of the results to sort of then work out a sort of yes. system by which you could then do the full analysis. Yes, we really created this whole tool from the analytics. It's another reason that the paper looks at the second year of data collection because in the first year we started with a list based on a retrospective analysis of, of issues. We refined that list over the first year. 
we did a lot of the the coders did compare their assessments periodically through that year. We have a written, very concise coding uh, guidelines manual for all the coders. The positive and negative sentiment decision was after really coding, a careful coding of the content of the report. Then the coders looked back and said, after reading this report, do I feel um, negative or questioning about vaccines, or do I feel, I mean, this is more information that's interesting, but um, it doesn't make me, leave me with any questions about vaccines. And we did that, again, giving different reports to different coders. I was going to ask that. I was going to ask that. So you did actually control for intra-analyst variability? Yes, we did have weekly and and as time went on, bi-weekly uh, telecons with all the coders to compare what they were. And also, as coders did all the reports, particularly in the beginning, they kept detailed lists of questions that they had that weren't in our written guidelines that came up. And then we would keep upgrading the, the coding manual and, and improve it. So we had a year of that experience behind us before we did the analysis of this data. Tell us what you found out. What were the key findings? It was very interesting. As I had anticipated a bit from the number of uh, concerns and that I had to manage in my previous role at UNICEF, there were highly diverse topics of interest and concern. And it really, safety was really not the biggest discussion out there. We had a lot of reports that were announcing new vaccines or new campaigns. And then there were a number of things that came up with child dies after vaccine, which whenever we had something, the other type of coding we had was priority, red, yellow, green. And by priority, we meant not just negative, positive sentiment. Is this a report that we think needs urgent referral to uh, someone on the ground or to WHO or that needs further investigation. We would also do our own further um, investigation. We have a wide network of people on the ground through WHO, UNICEF, and other research universities where if we see something coming up, we want to let them know. And the, so red would be um, some reported concern that could pop up in a local newspaper in northern Bangladesh that's now online. To um, And what was interesting is we also were very careful to code where these were, reports were from, like where they were published, and where they were about. That was one of the early things we realized we really needed to disaggregate because we would get a report from China talking about some small event that came up in Ghana. We're not always sure how they got the information, but we wanted to make sure that the report wasn't posted as a China report when, in fact, it was talking about an event somewhere else. Just to be clear, the proportion of positive vaccination stories versus negative or neutral, they were more positive overall? Yes. Overall, we had about 69% positive and 31% and negative which is more positive than negative, but concerning that 30% was, was negative. Because as you might have sensed just reading the newspaper, that the, the negative voices are a bit 
louder than indeed the <laughs> indeed of course i mean negative stories scare stories always make better news than you know the fact that a vaccine works isn't news because vaccines are expected to work but when they don't work or there's a problem then it's news yes absolutely. so that's obviously and, and we must stress of course the point of your study is not to analyze the news media here the point is to to try and <laughs> use the analysis of the news media to inform um, vaccination programs, isn't it? Absolutely. What do you think are the implications? What are your views on how we can use this tool practically? Because it's an ingenious system using an existing surveillance system, which you've clearly demonstrated uh, in this study. How do you translate that in, into action? What needs to be done? What I'd like to see this happen in the long run is that this kind of model gets adopted more locally, like India, for instance. I, d I do think the globalness of this is important. But I, I'd like to also see countries start doing this kind of analysis and listening more, more locally because I think it can help them inform how they use their resources. In India, for example, just to use a, a practical application of this, which we talk a bit about in the paper, in April of 2010, which was we started our data collection in March of 2010, and one of the first red alert type of <laughs> things we picked up, and we did a small um, commentary in the, in the Lancet about it, was the there was a demonstration project in two Indian states uh, introducing HPV vaccine to look at the best modes of delivery. Those two demonstration projects were suspended by the government because of pressure from women's groups and a few others outside of those communities, and it suspended the project. They, in, in reaction, shut down the projects while they investigated and continue. We still don't have a full public report on what happened. So what we thought was this suspension happened a month after our project. So we did do some retrospective looking back at when the concerns started, which were nine months before we picked up in retrospective media some early signals of problems, which were never responded to by the government. What the government did was nine months later suspended the project. But what we thought is, let's see how long this issue persists in the media and where. And in our paper, we have a map that shows that even two years later, because we look at uh, the year May 2011 to May 2012 in the paper, um, or end of April 2012, even by the end of April in 2012, the media discussions around and social media around HPV in India are still very focused on those two geographic areas where the demonstration projects were, and the majority of the more negative reports are in those two same settings. Whereas we have some green or positive sentiments in some other parts of India coming up, the Indian government has not yet put the HPV vaccine on the national immunization schedule. If they consider it, say, next year, I would say this system can help them understand if they have $100,000 in their pocket, I would put $60,000 worth of that on focusing on those areas to strengthen and, and build resilience and support for this. And then in the positive areas, you need to invest less uh, in terms of um, introduction and modes. It's that kind of thing. I wouldn't, you know, I think it's one of the things we learned in polio 
in the beginning, the kind of communications introduction, it was pretty uh, generic across the whole country. Now, especially at the end, we're doing much more specific, targeted, high investments in areas where problems persist. Well, were there early predictors that we could have picked up that could have anticipated? Maybe we should have invested more in northern Nigeria or Uttar Pradesh in India in the very beginning of polio rather than waiting until... And being reactive and waiting until too late and then trying to catch exactly. up. And so it's about, so in the final, final sentence, if you would, the, so really the conclusion is it's about using this 